and what's going on guys and welcome to the benches cleared podcast where we cover the best rivalry in all of sports and this is my lovely co-host the voluptuous crybaby tyler co he represents the los angeles dodgers and on the other side of the table we have the biggest bandwagoner bitch in all of sports jesse gutierrez representing the san francisco giants uh a san francisco giants fan since 2010 believe it or not 2010 so, yeah that's exactly yep. that's exactly right all the mm-hmm. all the pictures i have are just forged and that's photoshop it. is pretty incredible that's it's a it's a great thing cocaine is a hell of a drug it so, makes you look credible <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually gonna have we can just go on all day okay i i, I have to stop you at some point um we, we are gonna get into uh some draft talk today guys um the draft is tomorrow um obviously we've been talking about for you know, a couple weeks, at least mentioning it, um, the different issues and everything. But we want to get into the specific teams our teams are going to pick. And we're going to do it with people that know a lot of, more about it than we do um, and are actually going to give us real information and just not talk shit to each other all day. All right. And we welcome our first guest to talk about the Giants side of the draft, our friend Roger Munter. You might have seen him or heard of him um, as a writer for McCovey Chronicles, um, as well as he has a website, Roger Munter. Dot substack.com or you can just follow him on twitter uh at roger 60 run roger how's it going my man it's doing really well how's it out there on the west coast tonight good now yeah it's pretty hot hot no yeah. more no more uh, lockdowns right now we're we're doing pretty pretty solid week right now there you go that's awesome so we wanted to uh ask you i know you do a lot of work on the draft and we wanted to see maybe and what you might be hearing or what you're feeling what do you think the giants are going at uh pick 31 I mean, not 31, Uh, sorry, 13. At 13, yeah. Uh, You know, it's pretty interesting because uh, there's not a long history of this group together. You know, Farhan Saidi's been there. This is his second year. Uh, Michael Holmes came on just before last year. Uh, We're from the A's. Brian Bridges, who was with uh, the Braves for many, many, many years, is uh, now the national cross director. So you don't have a long history to tell exactly what their tendencies are. Uh, What I think they are doing is moving the department more towards sort of analytic models where they take their, they listen to their scouts, but they also are modeling data um, much more than past regimes are. I think they're going to be fairly agnostic as to whether they're going for a college hitter, a a college pitcher. You know, I think they're going to let the person who's at the top of the board fall to them. Uh, That said, this is a really pitching strong draft which means that either, you know, there's a chance to fortify their system, which isn't, you know, really deep in arms mm-hmm. with some big, with some big time arms, or the other approach to that is the draft is so deep in pitchers that if you can go for a bat at the top and know that there's going to be depth waiting for you at your mm-hmm. later picks, and they have seven picks in this five round draft because of uh, Will Smith and Madison Bumgarner comp picks. Um, I and I'm kind of split on that. You hear a lot of connection between them and Tyler Soderstrom of Turlock, mm-hmm. California, who is listed as a catcher, although really he's a left-handed hitter uh, who, <laughs> who currently catches, who you can see being a third baseman maybe down the line or a left fielder, you know, maybe even a second baseman. Really, these days with shifts, there's not that much difference between third base and second base. He's going to be something. He may be flexible. He may be a catcher and everything. There's a lot of smoke connecting them to Soderstrom. Um, who also would be the first time in history that a father and son both went in the first round to the same team because they selected yeah. his father on a sort of Fresno State many years ago. So there's a lot of connection there. 
I still kind of think that Garrett Crochet, the left-hander of the University of Tennessee, who has some of the you know biggest and nastiest stuff in the draft, but who didn't pitch much this spring because he was being bothered by shoulder soreness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a left-hander who hits a hundred, who's got a really, really nasty curveball, who shows out well in the data, in the trackman data. I think there's a chance that he's the guy they're going to pop, but Soderstrom has been connected to them all along. Between those two, I think there's a heavy chance that one of the two might end up being their pick. Um, you know, there are a lot of other guys they like. You hear them connected to some of the high school arms, but those are the two that I'm kind of looking at yeah, as possibilities for him. I've heard that too as well. The, the Soderstrom thing too is kind of interesting. They're saying like he can catch, but he probably won't stay there. Is it kind of maybe even, I know this might sound weird, but like, what about him being like a backup catcher slash backup third baseman slash like almost like a utility guy that can catch. Right. Which is something Farhan Zaidi loves. I mean, yeah, but Austin Barnes, with yeah, did Austin that Barnes, uh, Zaidi has talked a lot about positional flexibility, about not wanting guys who are just one position. I think he would love a guy who's a third baseman who catches on certain days yeah, exactly. against tough right-handed pitchers. Absolutely. And don't give me the arms, Tyler. Smug little. No, no, no. Give ah. <laughs> Hey, yeah, CT. <laughs> that was, was smug saying, right there. I was, saying, I was like, Austin yeah, Barnes. that's right. I was saying Austin Barnes and, you know, Kyle Farmer before we shipped him off to Cincinnati. That's Kyle true, Farmer yeah, Kyle was Farmer playing. Too. He was playing more third base because at one time we were carrying three catchers because yeah. two of them can play three positions in the infield. Yeah, if they could play a couple positions, it's always. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just so crazy. I mean, I know that's where, like, baseball's going nowadays, but to have a backup catcher that's, like, good, so you put him at, like, somewhere else than first is is, is pretty groundbreaking, pretty crazy. That's I feel like it's still very new, even though it's been done, like, maybe once or twice before. But it's, it's pretty interesting. Going way back, you had uh, Russell Martin, too, right? He was a yeah. third baseman who switched to catcher wow. really late in his development. And he's, he's a great shortstop, too. For as yeah. big as he is, I mean, that guy can move. Just like Buster Posey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak, I mean, it's it's good to know what's coming up. But, you know, we hear a lot about the system and how it's how it's doing really well right now on the last couple uh, Bobby Evans and, and Sabian picks and, you know, where Fahan's taking it. Um, you know, you hear about the Joey Barts, you hear about the Marco Lucianos of the world, you hear about, you know, Hunter Bishop. Is there someone that you think that, you know, that, like the normal Giants fan might not have heard of, like, you know, like the Sean Robies or like, you know, the Alexander Canarios, like those type of guys. Like, are, who's who do you think is going to be an actual impact player that people aren't talking about? Well, you know, I am a big fan of Alex Canario. I, the first time I ever went to see Elliot Ramos take batting practice, Canario was in the same group with him and completely stole the show. Really? Um, but he he's a real boomer bust guy because he mm-hmm. has probably after Luciano the best bat speed in the system. Uh, and hits the ball loud and a long way away when he makes contact. But he's got serious, okay. serious swing and miss issues. So okay. he's a boomer bust guy. I think the guy who's really going to pop next is Louis Matos, uh, who was part of the same international class with Luciano, which uh, it was Third a baseman, big, right? big class for them. He's a center fielder. Center fielder, um, fuck me. Lou, okay. Louis Toribio, who you may be thinking about, <laughs> That's is currently a third yeah. baseman. He's another okay. guy I like a lot. But Matos, they gave not quite a million dollars to in that class. He's a center fielder who, you know, they have a lot of guys playing center field right now. He's probably going to stick there. 
really good feel for hit and more power than you would think out of his size. Uh, he's not one of these guys who's, you know, like the body beautiful Julio Rodriguez type. He's okay. shorter, but he's very athletic, very good feel for hitting. Uh, will probably stick in center and has developing power. That's a guy who I think if you look and say who else might be a top 100 type down the line, I think is Matos. And Toribio, who you mentioned, the third baseman, is kind of a perfect Zaidi guy because he's a real understand the strike zone, very disciplined hitter who will grow into power. I like both of those guys. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's I feel like there's a lot of guys, you know, that, you know, you just have to see if they translate. They tear it up in minor league baseball and we'll we'll see what happens. I think a lot of us are a little torn and a little, you know, skeptical, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a brave new world with development, with all of the the labs that the guys go to in the winter time. Yeah, it's time a whole different, and, whole and different power, like, setup. It's hard yeah. to read power anymore. Yeah, so you know, you just wait <clears> and see what what steps they take. All right, well, thank you so much for the quick little uh, interview and a little bit of your time, Roger. We really appreciate it. Um, anything you uh, want to plug before you bounce? I'm super happy to uh, to join you guys. Glad to be here. Uh, I am tomorrow morning on on my uh, Substack uh, going to announce exactly what the Giants are going to do with the 13th pick. So, well, okay, absolute 100% guarantee. <laughs> I, will, I will deliver their pick uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> All right, sounds really good. And now we have our good friend Justin Lorber, future Dodgers. Here we're going to talk about the draft and talk about the organization pipeline, the health, what that's looking like. Um, but Justin, first of all, with tomorrow, the draft is coming. What do you think the Dodgers are going to do at 29? What do you think we're looking at as far as a position and who those potential picks could be? So I think it's going to be best player available. That's the track record they have over the past five years since the new front office took over. Um, if there's a guy who falls who maybe should have been top 20, top 15, maybe fell due to one big concern like an injury or uh something else they could go after him we've seen them do that a couple of times walker bueller and people were concerned about potential injury there he had tommy john surgery right after the draft ended up turning out okay mm -hmm. and then a couple of years later jaron kendall people were concerned about the swing and miss he had a lot of strikeouts and that has continued throughout his minor league career so we've seen them willing to take a risk on a guy with a lot of talent but maybe one big question mark and if there's a guy like that on the board that might be a guy they would go after <clears throat> yeah, I've been reading a lot and everything I've been seeing, you know, I kind of agree with you that it seems like the front office the last few years has gone best player available. But from what I've seen in every kind of mock draft, it's just been right handed pitchers. Every single pick that I've seen has been a right handed pitcher. And now it seems like they're targeting Chris McMahon from Miami. I don't necessarily think they're targeting them, but I think they're going to go best right-handed pitcher available potentially but that's just what i've seen i don't know if you've seen any kind of mock drafts but from what i've been reading it's just right-handed pitcher like clockwork every single time yeah well the reason you're seeing that is because this is a very very deep college pitching class and specifically in the dodgers range in that 25 to say 40 range that's where a lot of college and specifically right-handed pitchers are set to go Bryce Jarvis from Duke, you mentioned Chris McMahon from Miami, his teammates, Slade Ciccone, um, C.J. Van Eyck, mm -hmm. Cole Wilcox, maybe if he falls. There's just a ton of dudes in this class, a ton of good pitching. 
And it's great if you're a team picking early in the draft and you've got an early second round pick because you can get one of these top hitters and then you can get a really good college arm in the early second. Those are some baseball names, man. Uh, Smitty something. Smitty what? Uh, Smitty Werben Jägerman Jensen. Uh, CJ Van Eyck. That's just a Van Eyck. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a baseball name. Like I felt like that's I, my I, dude. I, I literally, oh. if someone put a gun to my head and was like, hey, t- say exactly what Justin just said, I couldn't do that. But I felt like every name that you said was just super, just dripped a baseball name. I mean. The drip is real. <clears throat> there's also Clayton Beater from Texas Tech. Drip, drip. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's just, that's a great name. Imagine, you know, if Kershaw can stick around for a couple more years, have two Claytons, got Beater and Kershaw, two Texas boys. Beater's fantastic. And yeah. I, I'm not sure if he will end up getting to 29. He's got some late buzz on him, maybe in the early 20s. His pitch metrics have been really, really good. Uh, one of the higher spin curveballs in the draft, if not the highest spin curveball in the draft. Fastball pairs really well with it. And another year removed from Tommy John surgery, he took a step forward in his command, which is definitely something that scouts are going to want to see. And he did that while moving from the rotate, while moving from the bullpen to the rotation, which is another positive for him. Yeah, and I mean, like you were saying, it's so deep with college pitchers. I mean, my personal opinion is they can't do wrong. Pretty much whoever they're going to take, I mean, it should be. In theory, right now, it's going to be a success. It's going to be a win. It, it might be a toss-up, too, because, I mean, they haven't been – like, the the mock drafts and stuff always change by, you know, the seasons and stuff, and there hasn't been a season. So it might be a little bit more of a toss-up, too. Yeah, this is a really hard draft to figure out where guys are going because typically, you know, you're going to see scouts, you're going to see execs at these kids' games. And you've got none of that. It's all virtual. And so one of the big ways that teams have been able to kind of gauge where other teams are on certain guys has been eliminated. And so there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of question marks about certain players, guys who had a hot start. You know, how early do they go? Because if there's a team that got in and got a good look at them early, I'd say, okay, we're comfortable taking this guy in the first round. Whereas other teams who haven't seen a guy since maybe last year or last summer might not be as comfortable doing so. So this will be a very interesting draft, certainly like nothing we've ever seen before and yeah. probably like nothing we'll ever see again. Hopefully not. Hopefully, yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of room for, you know, boom or bust kind of things just because you have eliminated that one option as far as scouting these players and them not being able to play games. So you could lose really bad. You could win big. I mean, it's just kind of, I think Jesse's right. It's kind of a toss-up at this point. But, I'm going to use that as a soundbite. Oh, my yeah. gosh, just repeat. Yeah. I think Jesse's right. I think Jesse's right. That's, that's yeah, beautiful. It happens once every, in a while. <laughs> um, but, you know, that kind of brings us to our next point is no matter what we do, I mean, our farm system, the depth is so strong, and our farm system is just so strong, and you don't know what that's like, do you, Jesse? The depth um, is so strong. That's that's like a fable right there. <clears throat> um, you know, what do you, what do you think – Let's say there is going to be a season because we're we're hoping that's going to happen. Who do you see coming out of the minors this year that could make an impact that we don't think will already be coming up? Who would be like a surprise minor leaguer that you're going to see come up? 
So all its lewd guys like Gavin Lux, Dustin May, yep. Tony Gonsolin, they've already made their major league debuts. We expect them to make an impact. Even someone like Josiah Gray, who, you know, if you're talking 50-man rosters with a taxi squad, he's a guy that I think people will expect to potentially make an impact. But the guy I will say is Zach McKinstry. He had a big breakout last year. He's a former 33rd-round pick. Um, he was added to the 40-man roster in the offseason, which, you know, tells you a lot of what they think about him because they wanted to protect him over other guys who you could argue had higher profiles from being selected in the Rule 5 draft. He did really well in what we saw in spring training, very little. And he can play a lot of positions. He can play short, he can play second, he can play outfield. So especially if there are injuries, he's a guy who we could see come up and make an impact. <clears throat> yeah, he had a really hot spring. I remember, you know, watching spring training and really not knowing who he was, but he was definitely a surprise player. And adding him to the 40 before the season, you know, never started. I mean, that's pretty big. <laughs> um, you know, the, the one thing that I really want to touch on as far as, <clears throat> you know, outside the minor league stuff is, you know, like I, I said before I asked you a question, if there's a season – I just want your opinion. Do you think there will be a season, whether it be 40 games, 50 games, 70 games, whatever it may be? Do you think we will have Major League Baseball in 2020? I, I don't know. I hope so. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate what we're seeing in these negotiations where uh, news actually just came out right before we started recording that the players made an amended offer. They lowered the amount of games that they wanted to play. It's a step in the right direction, but ultimately, the owners are going to have to meet them halfway. You know, they've restructured how they're offering salaries and uh, payments to the players, but it's been the same amount of money pretty much every time. Every time, and 33% so, of, their, uh, of their income, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so until they can step that up, I don't think we're going to get anything. And it doesn't seem like they're negotiating in good faith, unfortunately. I would like to, you know, be surprised by that. But I don't have my hopes up right now, you know. And it sucks because this is a moment where baseball can kind of lead the way back and capture everyone's mm -hmm. attention. It's you know, only sport on, dude. Mm -hmm. They got that ESPN 30 for 30 coming out about McGuire and Sosa and how that recaptured you know, everyone's interest in baseball. People have become disinterested. And you've got a moment right now where you've got all these good players, you've got all these good teams. You know, Mookie Betts just got traded to the Dodgers, for God's <sighs> sake. And, you know, you're threatening to cancel the season over cash flows and they won't even open the books. It's frustrating. It's frustrating as a fan and it's frustrating as someone who just wants to see baseball being played again. Especially yeah. since I'm not sure if you heard, um, according to the owner of the Cardinals, um, baseball doesn't really create that much revenue. So that's that's I'm not sure if you heard that. Yeah, you did see that this morning. And uh, I'm going to call BS. Yeah, he can I'm, sell the team if that's not true. He's yeah. free to sell the team. I'll take it over. You know, no <laughs> payment needed. I'll just I'll take it. It's fine. Pro bono. <clears throat> Yeah. Most ridiculous I, thing I've ever heard. I'm sure the Cardinals are valued at somewhere around a billion dollars. I think they were top five valued teams, I think. Not top five, but it wasn't like they weren't like bottom, like they weren't like Rays or anything like that. I saw something. I didn't do too much digging because I was hanging out with my niece, but uh, I saw something like they were like like seven or eight or something like that of highest revenue baseball teams. So I was like, 
bro, who are you trying to fool here? Yeah, I don't know who they're trying to convince that yeah. baseball is a money-making procedure. The yeah. Royals, the Kansas City Royals just sold for a billion dollars. If that doesn't tell you this current state of baseball, <laughs> I don't know what will. <clears throat> yeah, I saw, a, I saw a tweet this morning, and someone said, you know, soon we're going to be arguing whether a 24-game schedule is worth it. And I mean... Yeah, they're it's trying to do so, eight, they're trying so to do eight teams from each each league, dude. That's like their new postseason thing. Eight to, more than half of the teams are gonna go to the playoffs. That's a freaking joke. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. You know, baseball's playoffs are already much more of a crapshoot than all the other sports. And then when you add in the possibility of an under 500 team taking down a Dodgers or a Yankees in a, a three or five game series, is that really what you want? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's just, I'll take no for 300, Alex. Yeah, it, it just <laughs> seems like they're, you know, like hockey's plan <clears throat> on coming back and starting the playoffs. Hockey is just such a different sport with how the playoffs structured anyways. So a team under 500, that's fine. They're not going to go anywhere, and everyone knows it. So that's fine. But baseball, yeah, that would be... And it seems you get hot in baseball. Yeah, exactly. That would be the worst idea ever. Well, we thank you so much for coming on, man, and giving <clears throat> us your time. And now to the moment you guys have all been waiting for. We're going to get going on our Ultimate Playoff starting rotations. Ultimate Playoff Team. Hey, what's going on? This is Tyler Beatty with the San Francisco Giants, and you're here listening to Benches Cleared Podcast with Jesse Gutierrez and Tyler Coe. Go Giants, beat LA. Ultimate playoff teams, we've been asking you guys for the past couple weeks to make your ultimate playoff roster. Um, this is for both teams in the California era. Um, longevity is not in the question. You can base your argument solely on one year. Um, it just has to be a year, obviously, played on each team. Doesn't matter um, if the team is pre if the guy has previously played on the team, you have to use the years he's played on the team. So um, without further ado, let's get started on the rotations. So for the Dodgers rotation over the last week, we were able to get five starters. So in order, this is who you guys chose. This would be your one to five. At number one, we have Sandy Koufax. I don't think there's really any argument to be made that he's not the ace of that staff. Uh, number two, Clayton Kershaw. Again, I think number two, that's where he slots in. I don't disagree with that. Three through five, I think you can make some arguments. We have Fernando Valenzuela at number three. We have Oral Hershiser at number four. And then we have Don Drysdale at number five. Don Drysdale is at number five. I definitely think Don Drysdale would slot in at three for me personally. And then on the, the last... Ever since probably the second question, the second poll that we put out, Don Sutton's been on there, and Don Sutton wasn't able to to crack your guys' lineup, which None of it. I don't necessarily agree with. I think I would slot <clears throat> Don Sutton in there over maybe Fernando. Uh, oh, so we got a disagreement here. Really? We, we, really? We do, Mania, have, huh? we, we do have a disagreement here. I, I don't know if I would slot him in. For Fernando or Hershiser, I think it could be a toss-up, but I definitely think Don Sutton deserves to be in there. Um, And then Fernando and Oral, I mean, either one of them is going to be your number five guy. I'll take either one. It it doesn't matter to me. I'll take either one. Um, And there there was some talk about, you know, certain players not being in the mix, uh, specifically Walker Bueller. Someone did point that out. 
And yes, we did say longevity does not matter, but the kid's been in the show for what two years. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna slot him in against Don Drysdale. I, yeah. I, I just don't. I don't back that. So that's why Walker Bueller was never mentioned. Yeah, We're talking I, of I a span that. of 70 years, almost 60 years. I'm not yeah. gonna put him. You can in make the- you can make your arguments for it, but at the same time, in the back of your head, you still know he's only been there for a couple of years. So yeah. You, you, you got to be smarter than that, kids. You got to be better than that. It's time to grow up. Grow up, Peter Pan. Count Chocula. Yeah, it's 2020. It's time to grow up. <laughs> and now we slot over for the Giants rotation. Um, you guys went Mad Bum at the one slot, Lincecum, Juan Marichal, Matt Kane, and lastly, Gaylord Perry. Your name's Gay Falker. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's, just, it's not a normal name, you know? Um, I, I don't think we've gotten too much of a brushback. Uh, a couple... Um, a couple people, um, Tony C, TCS, SF Giants fan, um, wanted, you know, Schmidt in there because he had that monster game against the Marlins. Um, I, I could see where, where you're going. And, uh, you know, got Devin, Devin Harrington uh, said no Solomon Torres or, you know, or, or Haymaker, um, Haymaker. And it's like Torres didn't have, like, you got to do at least a little bit of your research. You know what I mean? Like Torres had one, like the best year he had with the Giants, his ERA was over four. So I don't know where you're getting that information from, uh, my man Devin. Uh, but I don't get it. Um, Sounds Maker, like a I, top I, five guy over a span of seventy years. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, that's incredible. I don't understand it. Uh, Hamaker, yeah, that he had he had some really good years. Um, but if you know, if you look at his playoff uh, statistics, they're pretty extremely terrible. Okay, like a fifteen ERA, and like it's it's. It's not good. I would pick. I mean, the only, it was between him and and, and Trevecki, you know, for for that last slot, um, to to be in the poll, which they wouldn't have made it anyways. Um, one one person I do want to point out, um, is is Ryan Vogelsong, that was in the poll for the last couple of times, didn't make it, and I hundred percent agree. I think this this uh, everyone who made it deserved to be in it, and there's no one that you know I I disagree with, but Ryan Vogelsong needs to be in the conversation, um, especially for 2012. Um, his, he was so, he was the only starter that was consistently pitching at an ace level throughout that postseason. He had like a, like a stupid, like 152 ERA, something like that. Um, he was, I mean, Kane was considered the ace at that time in 2012 and he was better than him. He was the only reason that they were, they stayed in the playoffs in 2012. Um, you know, kept the, um, kept the Reds really close at a, at a one run game through, through most of the game. So I just, he, need, he needed to be in the conversation, but I completely agree with the poll. Dude, what, what so. about your boy, Barry Zito? Or are we saving him for like the biggest bust? <laughs> okay, listen. Um, <laughs> if we had this, this podcast before 2011, I would be on your squad right now. Okay. <laughs> but I, after 2012, you will never hear me say anything bad about, Barry Zito, a.k.a. the Rhino on The Masked Singer. Catch me outside. How about that? What does that mean? What I just said. Belting out freaking hits. Oh, my God. Okay. I, fr- I watched that know- show, dude. Oh, my God. I did, my, dude. My I, got, I got roped. on that show. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I got roped into watching one episode. I said, this is so dumb, the first episode. But then you're always like, I want to know Barry- who it is. And then Barry Zito was on, and you're like, oh, my God. No, Barry Zito was not till season three, so I was already sucked in. I was sucked in after like the second or third episode because it was like I want to know who it is, and then you're stuck guessing and 
whatever. But you can't talk shit about Barry Zito, okay? Fuck you. Okay. All right. Anyone has anything bad to say about Barry Zito, they can say it too. I mean, me. all I'm going to say is, you know, we like to, to pride ourselves on trash talking or talking shit, if you will. And I feel like we don't do enough of that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do something. <laughs> is everyone... Every Giant fan that follows our Twitter just as big of a bandwagoner as you because Jason Schmidt should not be in this conversation at all. Why? Jason Schmidt sucks. And maybe this is like your Brian Wilson thing when he went to the Dodgers, how you just developed this hatred. When he came to the Dodgers, I hated him more than when he was on the Do- or when he was on the Giants. Because he was sucking for you. Yes, because Ned no, Clady, he was good with Ned the Giants, Clady, so that's why I put him in, you dick. I know. But <laughs> that's I'm, why Brian Wilson's on our, our what, bullpen. This is what talking shit is about, Jesse. Right? <laughs> Not making sense. <laughs> Jason Schmidt with his 87 mile an hour fastball that has no movement is not scary. And dudes were just hitting bombs, and Ned Coletti gave him a big contract. Still bitter about it. Like I said Probably before, it's because he was still a giant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some people never change. Some people are loyal, unlike other people I know. Okay. Or like he was still a bitch. He wouldn't still be a bitch. He would just be, for you, starting to be a bitch because then that's when he would. You don't. You don't make any sense, Tyler. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Anywho. Fucking love me some Jason. Jason well, Smith, you're the man. Okay. We'll, we'll suck see. on that team. Yeah. We'll we'll see when there's no baseball season. Then we'll we'll have to cut and go back to me in March being like there will be no baseball season. And yeah, then I feel like a dunce hat. My, in the corner. my 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 hope is kind of shot right now. I'm not gonna lie. I feel. Not good. Dumb bitch. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see. I I mean I there is um that man like Manfred can implement a fifty game um season, like where he doesn't have to get approved by anyone, I think is 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 the talk. But I think there's gonna be mass players being like, dude, yeah, F no. you, I'm not showing up, dude. Yeah, especially with, with now with people like Trevor Bauer who will voice their opinion on yeah. such a platform and other players are starting to be as vocal. There's no way they're going to get away doing that shit. Uh-huh. So they have to bend to the players association. That's just what has to happen. Yeah. They have to bend. Cause it's not like it's, and I, I understand you usually on a, on a mediation, you have to find middle ground. I get it. But the players want something that's very reasonable. You know, it's like sometimes someone does have to come, you know, hundred like you know, hitch ninety ten. Maybe they just have to go ninety ten. Yeah. Maybe they yeah. should tell tell <clears throat> someone like, hey, the whole eight teams for uh, each league making to the postseason. You can suck a dick. Like, come on, bro. Yeah. What kind of dumb shit is that? And then know. that's then you're really devalue. The thing is, is I, I don't support the idea that this isn't this is a lost season. So whoever wins the World Series, it's not a real World Series. But at the same time. If you do some dumb shit like eight teams a league get into the postseason, it's gonna be hard to argue that. You're yeah. gonna make it pretty hard for me. Right, and and you know the team that eventually gets the World Series will have won more series than the typical postseason, but it's just devaluing the season itself. Yeah. Because if you can go under 500 and make the playoffs, what's the fucking point? Exactly. This isn't basketball. No. You know. Same thing yeah. about, uh, hockey, do, do, don't they do the same thing? They have like 16 teams in the playoffs? Yeah, but hockey hockey's so much more competitive. 
Look, I mean, look at the Kings. When the Kings won the Stanley Cup in 2012, they were an eight seed. And they won the Stanley Cup. Has that ever happened in basketball? No. Yeah. At least I don't think so. So don't quote me on that. But <laughs> he said but, no. Don't don't look up any facts, please, to make me feel stupid. Just accept yeah. what I say. But with baseball, like we we talked about earlier in our interview, I mean, shit. If you're a team that's under 500, but you have a decent three-man rotation, who the hell knows what happens in a three-game series if that's what yeah. they're going to do for the first round? I mean, it's just it's stupid. Even yeah. if they're giving the team, the higher seeded teams a buy. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. No, because any team can get hot. Yeah. I mean, just in, in, in a, in, in a, anything can, I mean, even in a five and seven game series, anything can happen, but it's just less likely a three game, a one game playoff. Like it's that's, and I get that with the wild card game. That makes sense because those teams technically shouldn't even be there, you know? So like, it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a disadvantage. You lose your ace and, you know, you have the chance to get knocked off for one game. So I understand it. But to do that to the entire league. And this is after we're already potentially cutting 100 games for the season. So imagine if the Detroit Tigers somehow stick around and make the playoffs in this 16-team <laughs> format. I mean, that's, it's just a terrible idea. Yeah, what about, like, yeah, there's not going to be a trade deadline or anything. Hopefully not. So No. Well, they, I, saw, I saw something the other day. It was like, could we still get an all-star game? And it's like, what's the point? No. 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 And the all-star game is more about fanfare anyways. And as a Dodger fan who's waited so long for this, I would be so mad if they're like, yeah, we're going to do it with no fans and then just move I on I waited too, bro. That's I live out here too, so I would be going. Yeah. I'm just as disappointed as you are. I was going to say, I remember talking last year, you know, before the season was over last year, we were like, I'm already saving money for the home run derby, for the all-star <laughs> game, for tickets. Yep. And now it's all for naught. Thank you guys for watching. This episode was brought to you by Renovation Candle Company. Head on over to renovationcandlecompany.com and you can get 20% off your first order when you use the promo code BENCHES at checkout. Go ahead benches. and check it out. Yeah, BENCHES. It's not going to be here because I'm not really savvy with that, but you know how to spell the word BENCHES. Um. But yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to be doing some giveaways in, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks. So make sure to be following our Twitter and our Instagram. On um, Twitter is at Benches Cleared P, and Instagram is Benches Cleared Podcast. Um, make sure to give us a, a, a subscri- subscribe to this podcast and leave a review to help us grow. And uh, thank you guys, and we'll see you guys next time.